0: We're in the midst of a sermon series on parables of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew, Parables on the Road to Calvary. And this morning we come to Matthew 25, and we'll be reading Matthew 25 from verse 1 to verse 13. Let's read. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. This is God's word for us this morning. So a number of years ago, I had a friend who got engaged to a very wonderful girl with a very troubled family. And the day came when his fiancée got kicked out of her parents' house. She was told to get out and stay out. And they were still two or three months away from their wedding date, but she didn't really have anywhere else to go and they didn't really have any good options So they talked it through and they decided just to get married in three days instead of three months. Next Tuesday, this was Saturday or so, next Tuesday we're just going to get married. And so my friend called me up and told me this and I said, well, okay, that seems like a good choice. What do you need help with? And he didn't even know at that point. So the day of the wedding came, I got off work as early as I could and I went over to help out with things and everything is chaos, right? Right? And they're trying to pack months and months of wedding planning into just a few days and we're down to the last hours and everything is up in the air. The maid of honor is running around looking for a dress that's the right color because hers didn't come in yet. So she's going store to store, mall to mall, just looking for the right blue dress. Just one! The bride's dress is still getting altered. They're scrambling to find a wedding cake because it's a little hard to find one of those with about one day's worth of notice. I mean, People are running everywhere for everything and everything is running late And around 6.15 or so, the wedding was supposed to be at 7.30, but it quickly became apparent that wasn't going to happen. But around 6.15 or so, the photographer, the best man, the groom and I decided to run out and get some dinner, and then we'd head over to church and start getting ready for the ceremony. So we pick up some fast food, and then we're driving toward the church, and at some point, the best man turns around and asks the groom, did anyone pick up the suits from the dry cleaner? And the groom goes, what? Did anyone pick up the suits from the dry cleaner? Uh, uh, um, uh. So the best man drops his hamburger. He grabs his phone. He starts calling everybody. Did you get the suits? Did you get the suits? Did you get the suits? Nobody got the suits. It's 624. The dry cleaner closes at 630. We are the closest car. So the photographer who's driving processes this information, takes a sharp left turn across several lanes of traffic to turn around to get to the dry cleaners, and as he pulls into the parking lot, he hits a curb and pops his back tire. And as he's coasting toward the parking spot, the best man says, did you just, and the photographer says, yeah. And there's this moment of contemplative silence as we roll to a stop. And then four doors pop open and the driver pops the trunk and he's out back and he's got the wrench and he's taking the wheel off and the groom runs around and he grabs the jacket and he's putting the car up and I'm throwing stuff out of the trunk carefully because it's the photographer and these are cameras, throwing stuff out of the trunk and digging the spare tire out of the bottom and the best man stands there for a minute and then he says, guys, I'm running for it, I'm going. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to get there. And he takes off running and he's a baseball player and this is his two outs, bottom of the ninth, last chance run for home. He is taking off and the first tire's off and the second one's on and the wrench is going around and the car is dropping already and we're throwing everything back in the trunk and we get in and we drive as fast as we can and we get there and the best man is standing outside the dry cleaners the sign says closed and we get out of the car and he says guys I made it I made it they're bringing the suits out they were going to close but I told them we have a wedding tonight so they're bringing the suits out we got it So the ladies bring the suits out of the dry cleaners We carefully put them in the trunk of the car And we all sit in the car We take a couple minutes to breathe deeply And then we start the car And we drive to the church And other things happen But they get married And they live happily ever after And they did actually, as far as I know Live happily ever after Things things worked out But when the wedding moved from way out there when it moved from way out there somewhere to all of a sudden right here, things got kind of crazy. They thought they were in good shape and then everything changed and everything went upside down. And when the wedding was all of a sudden right here, well, it was obvious that some of the preparation they'd done was paying off. And it was also obvious that there were some things that they hadn't prepared for at all. In the parable that we read for this morning, we we hear about another wedding situation where things got a bit out of hand. The story sets the stage and then it shows us a problem. And the problem is that the groom takes a long time to come. The groom takes a long time to come. In the wedding practices of Jesus' time, engagements often lasted several years, but when the appointed day come, the groom would go with his entourage and they would all go to the bride's house and all their family and friends would gather. And then they'd have this wedding procession. And usually this happened in the evening, so everyone would have torches or lamps. And they'd have this big wedding procession, this moving party. Then everyone would go from the bride's house to the groom's house to where the new couple would live. And then they'd have a party that would last often for a week. But in this parable, the groom is delayed. We don't know why. Jesus doesn't give us any reason. But he does indicate that it's a long, long delay. And this is a problem. The celebration can't start because the groom isn't there. And the delay stretches on and on and on. And the girls wait and wait and wait. And finally, the parable tells us they all get drowsy and they fall asleep. And after a while, the cry rings out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And they all wake up and everything is crazy. All the girls are scrambling to get their stuff together and to go and be part of the wedding procession. And at this point, the action reveals those who have prepared poorly and those who have prepared well. And the delay has revealed that the foolish are unprepared. Now, the delay in the groom's coming doesn't create this situation it reveals the situation the foolish five have showed up for the wedding procession but they weren't really serious about it they showed up with lamps but they didn't bring any extra oil and the word there for lamps is a lot like torches they're probably actually talking about torches people would take sticks they'd wrap rags around the end and then they would soak them in jars of oil and light the rags up that was probably the type of lamp we're talking about here And obviously that would burn for a while, but if you wanted these torches to last for any real length of time, you need to have a jar of oil, and every now and then your torch would go out, you'd have to soak it some more, and then you could light it up again. So if you were prepared, you would always go with a jar of oil along with these lamps. But those five foolish girls haven't brought any jars of oil. So they ask the wise ones to give them some oil, but the wise ones have to say no, because if we share with you, no one's going to have any light. It's not going to be enough. So the foolish five have to run out, and they have to find someone who's open late at night to to sell them oil. And before they get back, the groom comes. The wedding procession winds its way to the groom's house. They shut the door, and the party starts. And then these people come late, and they beg for the door to be opened, but the groom just says I don't know you. I don't know you. Now what the groom is saying there is probably not literally I don't know you because you know the people who are going to be in your wedding procession, right? But what the groom is saying is your failure to prepare, your failure to prepare says that our relationship is not valuable to you. Your lack of preparation is a sign that you didn't really want to be part of this party anyway. The groom is confirming that these people just didn't really care to begin with. At the end of the parable, he just confirms that the relationship is broken and has been broken for some time. The Gospel of Matthew does a lot of contrasting of true and false disciples. Some people followed Jesus for a while because it was convenient or cool or it fit their agenda But they didn't follow through. They weren't really ready to follow. The foolish in this parable, they they flame out or they fade away. And the lesson for us today is simple. Don't flame out or fade away. Some people pass through the Christian faith like a comet. They're excited about everything. They're on fire. They're into everything. They're looking back to Jesus coming maybe tomorrow tomorrow. And then they hit hard times or life stretches on and on or they get ticked off about something or somebody at church and all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. They flame out and they don't have any connection left to Jesus. What's more common though is that people just fade away. They get distracted by different things in life. Other priorities come up and yeah, they'll they'll get back to Jesus sometime But the days and then the years and then the decades go by and all of a sudden their connection to Jesus is just a vague memory. This story urges us not to flame out and not to fade away. This is a real concern for all of us. And this isn't something we should be thinking about. Who do I know or who else might be fading out or flaming away? First of all, this is about you. And this is about me. This is about us asking ourselves, what kind of life of faith are we really pursuing? What decisions are we making today that impact the length, the quality, the depth of our life of faith? Are we being foolish today? Now in the parable, the foolish aren't ready, But the delay highlights that the wise are prepared. The wise are prepared. They're set up for a long wait. They didn't expect to have to wait for a long time, but they're ready for it. They brought their torches and they brought their jars of oil and they are ready to wait and wait. Now they too, even the wise, become drowsy and they fall asleep because the wait is so long. They too are surprised by the shout that the bridegroom is here, come out and greet him. But even in the midst of the craziness of waking up and getting the torches lit and getting ready to go, they're ready. They wake up and they've got everything they need. They have the reserves they need, even when things took longer than what they expected they would. And that, if anything, is the main point, the main theme of this parable. Be prepared. Be prepared for Jesus' coming. Live wisely in light of the reality that God's kingdom will come. It might come. It probably will come later than what we expect, but it will come. And Jesus, through this parable, calls us to a long, steady, committed obedience. The wise develop faithful habits. The text calls us to develop faithful practices Now, if we want to follow Jesus wisely and well and for the long term, we need to develop faithful habits right now so that we are prepared. So that we're prepared for then, so that we're prepared for the day that Jesus comes. We should live each day like Jesus is going to come tomorrow because he just might. And we should also live each day in such a way that we're prepared if Jesus doesn't come for 10,000 years. Because it might be that long. Faithfulness, committed faithfulness is one of the key virtues of the Christian life. We all have challenges, we all have our hard days. We will have times where it feels like the wait has been too long. And real faith doesn't deny that. Real faith admits that it is hard to keep being ready all the time for something that we don't know when it will happen. But real faith looks those challenges right in the eye and still holds on. Always, real faith holds on to Jesus. But we need to train ourselves to be faithful. This doesn't happen automatically, that we make a decision at some point and that just carries us through. No, we need faith practice and we need preparation and we need habits to stay faithful we could be here a long long time waiting and our preparations now our preparations now are what make us able to stay faithful for the long run to be wise in christ we need to spend time in the scriptures To be strong, we need to spend good continual time in prayer. To endure, we need to spend time with other believers and encourage and build build each other up. God works through these ordinary means day by day, week by week to build us up and to keep us strong in the faith. And it's our preparations now that make all the difference down the road. When my friend was getting ready for that wedding in three days, they weren't really getting ready in just three days. They weren't starting from zero. It was chaotic, but they'd been working on these things for months over the course of their engagement, and they had a lot, a lot of help. They had a bunch of friends who showed up and said, tell me what to do, and we will do it to make this happen for you today. The preparation they'd done didn't eliminate the panic. It didn't eliminate the stress. It didn't eliminate some of the surprise of, oh, here we go, wedding day. But all the work they'd done before and all the relationships they had had put them in a position where even if it was crazy, even if things got a little weird, it worked out. It worked out. They got married. It happened. Everybody's going to be surprised by Jesus coming. Everybody will be. Even, even the wise girls fall asleep in Jesus' parable here. But patterns and habits of faithfulness lay the foundation for us to be ready then, whenever then happens to be. What we do now matters for eternity. We need to be always prepared for Jesus to come We shouldn't flame out or fade away. We should develop habits of faithfulness. But all of that is about what we do, right? And it still leaves this this challenge, this problem that we started the sermon out with, that Jesus is still taking a long time to come. He is still taking a long time. This delay is huge, and it can be really hard for us to deal with. Douglas Adams is a classic sci-fi fantasy humor writer, and he's also a very, very committed, shall we say, atheist. And he never passes up a chance to make fun of the Christian faith. And in one of his books, The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, he sets up the situation, and time travel's involved. It doesn't actually make sense, but just go with it for the story, okay? There's this restaurant that's built at the end of the universe. When the universe crashes down and everything blinks into nothingness, there's this restaurant that you can go to and you can sit there and watch the universe end. And the MC at this restaurant is called Max. He's a charismatic character. And one particular evening in that story, he welcomes the faithful church of the second coming of the great prophet Zarkon. And he welcomes them with great sarcasm. He says, and let's let's say hello. Let's say hello to the church of the second coming of the great prophet Zarkon. There they are, says Max, sitting there patiently. Zarkon said he'd come back, but he's taking a long time. So let's hope he's hurrying, fellas, because he's got eight minutes left. And the rest of the people there all break out into laughter and Max lets them go for a while and then says, no, no, but seriously, folks, no offense meant. I know we shouldn't make fun of deeply held beliefs, so I think a big hand, please, for the great par- prophet Zarkon wherever he's got himself to. Max is speaking with the voice of Of a lot of people in this world who look at us as believers and say, What are you waiting around for? I mean, seriously, it's been like 2,000 years. What are you waiting around for? Hasn't it been a while? And it has been a while. And that's not just a question that other people ask us, I suspect it's a question we ask ourselves sometimes How long is this gonna take? When is Jesus going to come back? But this is not a surprise. Jesus tells us in this parable that we'll have to wait a long time for him to return. And we see that in other places in the Bible too. In this parable, there's just one line, but it's significant. In verse 5, it says, the bridegroom was a long time in coming. The people had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and we're told that we don't know the day and the hour that Jesus will return but the delay does stretch on and on but then there's a detail in this parable that we tend to glide by and here it is the groom the groom delays a long time but he comes the groom will come And when he comes, the party starts, everyone goes out with this festive procession, and they go, and they go to the wedding feast. And the celebration goes on and on after that. We should prepare for a long wait. We should not be surprised by it. But the scriptures assure us that the day of the Lord will come. The night seems long, but the sun will come. And we need reminders of this as we wait and watch. Jesus is trustworthy and faithful. Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus will come, and he will bring us to the feast. And because we trust in the Lord Jesus, we worship and we hope. We worship and we hope because Jesus will come. We gather in worship here week after week in part to celebrate the eternal feast that Jesus Christ will bring us to. We gather here every week to be reminded and to renew our hope and to celebrate and to say to each other, yes, Jesus is coming. The time that we share here is a special time because it renews us in our hope. It opens our eyes again to the reality that Jesus will come. And we need, we desperately need to be renewed in our hope. Without that renewal of our hope in Jesus, this wait just goes on and on and on. And maybe more than anything else, we we need to be reminded of God's faithfulness to us. And we need again to renew our dependence on him. Our faith is often weak. Our prayers are often half-hearted and scattered. It is tough for us to keep holding on to the Lord. And so we need each other. We need prayer. We need the scriptures. We need to gather together to be reminded. To renew our anticipation. To intentionally expect Christ's return. The time is coming. Jesus will come again. The day will come that the universe draws to an end, but that won't be an empty nothingness, a poof into non-being. The time will come when Jesus himself will return. He will return. And he will bring his people home to be with him forever. Being prepared for Jesus' return means staying faithful. It means not flaming out or fading away. It means developing spiritual habits and reserves now so that we can carry on for the long haul. And expecting Jesus' return means continuing to believe even when the days go on and on. It means gathering to celebrate and to rejoice because Jesus is coming. It means holding on to hope. And hope in Christ, hope in Christ does not disappoint. Therefore, because we know that our faithful Lord will come, keep watch. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know that our Lord Jesus Christ will come back. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as believers, you give us so much. You give us your Son, Jesus Christ, to save us. You give us your presence, your own presence through the Holy Spirit to work in us, to assure us of our salvation, to make us better, to make us more like you. And yet, Father, at the same time, you you ask so much from us. Father, it can be so hard for us to stay faithful day after day after day. It can be hard when we see so much that's wrong in the world and so much that goes badly in our own lives and so many challenges that we face and so much brokenness. Father, it's so hard to hold on to faith. But Lord, we pray that you work in us to renew us. Work in us to enable us to stay faithful to you. Work in us so that we make good preparations for the day of the Lord. And Father, we pray that you encourage us, that you renew our hope, that you help us even as we live day to day to have our eyes and our hearts set on eternity, to be renewed in our hope, to be deeply assured of your love, and to be comforted by your grace. Father, we pray this because you are our loving Heavenly Father because you have given Jesus Christ to save us, and because you are at work even now through your Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.